It's Friday, Spags. A lot of ignorant people would say we have another week until a big football game, but we say no, 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 not so fast. No, we've been digging into the Pro Bowl, and we're digging in even deeper with our pal Cody Main from Establish the Run, who's doing all the research so you guys don't have to. There are some traps on the slate. We're going to reveal them all right after this little intro and Pete's sippy of his drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And today, that meaning has really never been more true because we are digging into the Pro Bowl. I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet, and a man who's so busy preparing for the Pro Bowl, he's only got a half hour, Cody Main. Cody, how are you doing? Guys, finally, someone recognizes that this is the big game. I, I knew it would be you two to have me on when Pete DM'd me, thinking uh, maybe he'll have me on for his Super Bowl show. Now we're we're talking the real big game today, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Well, honestly, you know, we we love the Super Bowl. Obviously, very excited for that game. But and Cody, I wanted to give all the plugs to you at C Main Seven. You're doing a lot of great content around showdowns, obviously around the Pro Bowl as well. But it is a, a spot where there actually is probably going to be more of an edge playing the Pro Bowl slates. Maybe not so much the betting. Maybe even the betting too. But I guess how are you viewing that relative to what you're doing normally? Because you're a showdown king as well, and probably one of the sharpest guys around in that field too. Yeah, I think we can throw out everything that we know about showdown when it comes to the Pro Bowl. It's a whole different animal, um, but I do think there's a big edge. I know Pete, Pete plans on firing quite a bit. I plan on firing quite a bit. Um, it's it's just a whole different ball game, and we kind of have to hope that the field hasn't caught up too much to some of the edges that we've uncovered in doing the Pro Bowl content. So let's talk about it a little bit. And actually, Cody, I want to get your thoughts, first of all, on some of the showdown things you dig into, because I think some of the data uh, charts you put together on Twitter on the regular are some of the more interesting ones out there. I feel like it's you and Sam Hoppin really covering that. Of course, Justin Freeman, our pal over at Run the Sims. But are there any sort of overall showdown thoughts you want to give to the people before we start to dive in a little bit deeper on the Pro Bowl itself? Yeah, if you guys are playing like legitimate showdown slates uh, that that everyone is playing, like the Super Bowl, um, captain wide receiver uh, is the big one. Focus on those captain wide receivers. They, they obviously offer the highest variance, but also have the highest ceilings. Pair those captain wide receivers with your quarterbacks and the flex, and then max one uh, additional same team wide receiver. And I think you get yourself a pretty strong build for single entry three max. Uh, macro, I think that just in terms of macro roster construction, we don't see the field use enough onslaughts. Uh, in both sides. So you, you don't have enough one underdog, five favorites. You certainly don't have enough five favorites, one underdog. Um, so thinking through Super Bowl uh, roster construction, if you if you feel really strong about one side, five Bengals, one Ram, one Ram, five Bengals feels really, really strong uh, in terms of just trying to get unique and then focus on that total ownership, um, some product ownership, things that you can really do to remove the the heavily duplicated lineups from your roster set. Is there anything that sort of crystallized for you? And I asked the same question, Justin Freeman, and I think, you know, you guys really are some of the top minds out there looking at the stuff and really digging into the, the lineup constructions as we're talking about a little bit there. Is there anything you've seen this year that was eye-opening in some way or just maybe crystallizing about how everybody else is playing showdowns relative to how you, a player who's actually making money doing it, is playing it for yourself? Yeah, this has shifted a lot over the last couple of years. And I just recorded a show with with Colin Drew last night, Drewby, um, who everyone knows crushed Showdown um, through 2018 and 2019. We talked how much the game has changed over the last couple of years. And people are doing 
um, the right things more often than they were a few years ago. They're they're properly correlating a lot more now, like we would think of just natural correlation. So uh, I think the thing that crystallized this year for me is just more focusing on being unique in the right ways. Uh, I think there were too many times where I was trying to be unique uh, in the wrong ways in just building bad lineups that didn't have a shot to win. So um, I talk about a lot of those things in, in the articles and on Twitter and whatnot. But yeah, just just focusing on ways to build different lineups from what the field is doing, but doing it in, in a lot in, in the correct way. And there's so many ways we can do that, but, but just trying to do it in a smart way. And I want to give Pete the floor in case he has any questions too, though. I know you guys have talked more and he's gotten to pick your brain a little bit, but you talk about people doing some of the things the wrong way, maybe taking some minus EV lineups, just in that hope of trying to be different. What are some of those rails, I guess, or third rails that people should avoid for the Super Bowl, and just how they might be trying to build lineups to try to get different on fields that are going to be absolutely enormous. I think the biggest thing is, trying to pull too many levers at the same time right and and i think drew is really good about this in lineups that that are maximizing salary or are going to be heavily owned we should avoid these these obvious correlations like captain wide receiver with quarterback if you're already spending 50k if you're already rostering highly owned players you need to start doing weird things like two running backs from the same team or have a captain wide receiver without your quarterback but if you're spending 47.5, right? If you're spending 2,500 below the salary cap, if you've got your sub 5% owned player, if you've got a 1.5 roster construction, then in those lineups, you should feel more comfortable maximizing correlation uh, and, and just building out strong lineups around that. So I think too often in showdown, especially with the large fields, we get too caught up on pulling too many of these uniqueness levers. And then all of a sudden we've got these crazy lineups, right? That, that might have a shot of being unique or probably going to be unique, but just have no shot at winning. Um, so I think just understanding the field size, especially if you guys are in a single entry three max and, and smaller fields, but even at the, even at the upper end, you don't need to go um, completely asinine building bad lineups just to get unique. I think you can do it in a, in a really smart way. And without giving away your special sauce, is there anything that you would recommend to people? I know you talked about the onslaughts a little bit, but is there anything you're doing on the process level, whether it be, you know, on a particular optimizer or in terms of an Excel sort, is there anything you would give to people that um, you're willing to give away, obviously, without completely cutting into what you're doing for yourself? Yeah, I think some product ownership still isn't used enough by people out there that are really grinding this thing. And most most optimizers are, are set up to take total ownership. So you're just adding all of the spots of your roster together. Some product ownership is similar. It just multiplies each lineup position by its ownership level. And it gets a much more accurate representation of how many dupes you should expect. Uh, so if you just take that extra step, and we've got a little bit more time with the Super Bowl still a week away, we've got a little bit more time to start messing around with lineups and getting an idea of how you can do that. If you're just in there trying to fire in an optimizer, one quick way to ensure that your your some product ownership is low, set a group of all the players that are projected for 10 or 15% ownership, and make sure you include at least one of those players in your lineup. It's kind of a quick, uh, easy, dirty method of just making sure that your lineups are a little bit less duplicated. Pete, anything that you want to ask here? I know we you want to dig into the showdown, uh, the Pro Bowl showdown stuff for yourself, because I know Pete actually has to make 150. What actually no 200 lineups by hand you're going to be building, right, Pete? Uh, I think more than that. I mean, I uh, you know registered for all the 20 maxes, the 150 maxes. Uh, so yeah, I'm Cody. Thought I was just asking him on as you know to do a show, put out content for people. No, I I actually need to pump him for information because I am over invested by a lot. 
Yeah, so there you go. So that's that's what we're here for, Cody. So let's dig into the Pro Bowl then. And, and I think we've covered some of the showdown stuff. Obviously, we'll cover it more next week. Hopefully, we can have uh, some more people here who are going to give you guys some good guidance, including us, obviously, uh, heading into the Super Bowl. But Pro Bowl is what we're here for. So let's talk about sort of the holistics of this one, Cody. And and first of all, if you are on Peach Channel or the Splash Play Channel, please hit the like button. Uh, we appreciate that support a bunch. Subscribe to the channel, too, so you know whenever we go live. And also, shout out to Football Outsiders, of course, uh, a site like ETR. You know, a lot of football sites out there doing great work combining the real-life football analysis with the data that's going to be important for you for fantasy and betting. Uh, football Outsiders is one. ETR is another. Go, go subscribe to both of them, but uh, but Football Outsiders is paying me, so go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and take advantage of the $1 a week promo we have going until the 13th, and then it goes away, and then you'll have to pay more when we're doing some USFL stuff coming up. Uh, but the Pro Bowl itself, some changes this year, Cody, and I have some statistical observations. I know you guys on ETR did a really in-depth, in thorough article that probably is worth subscribing for alone just to get in and see some of the takes there. But overall, uh, the one big change, the spot and choose thing is an interesting wrinkle in this year's Pro Bowl. I know there are a few others in terms of the formations, but what are the overall machinations for the Pro Bowl that are going to be different? Because again, spot and choose where a team will uh, choose the yard line the ball goes on, then the opposing team chooses if they want to do offense and defense. That's one wrinkle that's uh, been proposed before by the Ravens, I guess, in the competition committee, but is one we have not seen live in an actual application. Yeah, the, I, you really have to start with the rule changes for this one. And most importantly, that one will be an interesting wrinkle just to see uh, how often the opposing each coaching staff decides to go that route. But I think the first one you got to start with is offensive alignment. Uh, and as we'll get into, there's one specific position that benefits from that quite a bit. Um, but the offenses must have one tight end and one running back on the field at all times. And because there's only two tight ends selected to each Pro Bowl roster, you can almost guarantee, uh, you know, around a 50% snap rate for for each tight end. Uh, that makes a roster. So you got four tight ends available. I think the field is kind of coming around to this and kind of understands this. We've seen ownership in years past start to climb up towards the field, more understanding that they should be rostering tight ends. But that's the biggest immediate edge is just knowing that there's only two two uh, tight ends on each Pro Bowl roster, and one of them has to be on the field at all times. The second big one is on the defensive side. And the defense uh, requires, the Pro Bowl requires that the defenses can only use 4-3 alignment. Um, and I'm not a football guy. I'm not. I'm no Evan Silva. I'm not a hand in the dirt type of guy. But that is important because you won't have nickel or dime coverage. You won't have five or six defensive backs on the field at any given time. So what that means for our tight ends is they're probably going to be covered by linebackers. Uh, they're going to be covered by strong safeties that just aren't near as nearly as equipped or weren't selected for their coverage ability. Right? They were more selected for being able to blitz and, and racking up tackles and whatnot. So um, from a macro sense, just the, those two schematic changes that happen in the Pro Bowl are probably the biggest rule changes. And then the second thing is pace of play. Like they've done a lot of things in the years past just to kind of increase, um, speed up the volume of, of play attempts. Um, so that's a big one too. We see that like passing is incentivized. They have the two minute uh, rule at the end of each quarter, which kind of creates this natural uh, speed up process where you start to see offenses aired out a little bit more. And that's borne out in the data too. Like 74% of offensive plays that have been run in Pro Bowls past are passing attempts. Um, so it really... Uh, delegitimizes the the use of running backs like true running backs don't matter in this format so uh, I think the macro sense of just the rule changes in this in this contest really set up well for for pass catchers Pete any questions current for you here because I know you were we were texting a little bit before the show you were asking about some of the tight ends but you know given some of the what Cody's talking about with just tight ends being on the field a lot I have to assume that these guys are going to be really strong captain plays, especially for the casuals who are probably going to gravitate towards uh, the very high-priced Jonathan Taylor who might not see even 10 touches in the game. Yeah, I mean, would you say for captain stuff, I mean, tight ends and pass catchers, I mean, would you even really consider lineups with quarterbacks at captain? 
Yeah, we and we can get into like the legitimate data on what the guys are doing, but no, I, I probably won't have any any quarterbacks at captain, and I'm actually leaning towards just to have max leverage on the pass catchers, no running backs at captain, which feels a little bit scary because some of those guys can rack up uh, reception volume. But I'm kind of just leaning in, leaning want to lean hard into this pass catchers at captain, uh, almost solely wide receivers and tight ends. Normally on a showdown, you'd want to correlate the receiver with the quarterback, but because of there being multiple quarterbacks, you don't really know when that production is going to come. Is there any rule you're giving to that one? Like you're given a boost if you're doing an optimizer to the quarterback along with the receiver, if you have the receiver captain, or is there anything you're looking at at all like that? I think if you have two or more pass catchers, and I'm still trying to work through like my own groups and rules for optimizers, it's going to be pretty tough because you kind of have to set a baseline and, and set some variance for how you're going to build out an, uh, like a full 150 set if you aren't going to hand build it. Um, but I think if you have two or more pass catchers from the same conference, especially with one at captain, you probably want to have a quarterback from that conference. Um, I haven't fully thought that one through yet, but you do have three quarterbacks. So it's possible that, um, you know, they each throw one touchdown and each throw for 100 yards. And that's probably not going to be enough to get into the winning lineup. You probably need 10 or 11 points at minimum to kind of get there. And so just the way that the scoring sets up for quarterbacks with obviously having full PPR and DraftKings and six points for touchdown versus four for quarterbacks. And then the, the fact that they're most likely going to play, you know, a quarter to a quarter and a half a piece. I think it, it, you could still have a situation where you get a full lineup of just pass catchers or even five pass catchers in the defense and doesn't have a quarterback in that lineup. And it was worth uh, uh, some of the observations I had, and Cody can certainly chime in with some of his, and, and Pete too, of course, I'm sure, doing that research because you actually probably have the most money out of any of us right now. <laughs> uh, but it did jump out to me, just going through the last two box scores last year, there was not a Pro Bowl because of the COVID stuff, and uh, they played Madden instead, which is honestly pretty fun for them. Uh, but the last two Pro Bowls, no QB over 190 yards. Kenny Galladay was the only receiver over 100 yards last year. Uh, the running backs, as we talked about a little bit there, mostly trash. Nobody ran for more than 35 yards or six carries. And in fact, the only running back touchdown was Anthony Sherman in 2019. Uh, Pete, any of this speaking to you in a meaningful way that I guess is giving you, I'm sure the wheels are spinning for you, given that you actually, <laughs> again, you really need to do your work. Yeah, the, the wheels are spinning. I also, we should uh, do a quick plug and I did just drop it into the chat. So a lot of the stuff we're talking about, Cody has written up in in-depth detail in that article on uh, ETR. So definitely check that out. It, it is paywalled, correct, Cody? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I hope so. It, it should be. It should be. Um, lots of good stuff in there showing, you know, previous uh, historical trends, distributions for scoring, uh, Cody's top plays, uh, all the scoring settings. So uh, if you like what we hear here uh, today, go uh, support Cody and ETR with that article. But I guess as a thought exercise, one thing I'm thinking about is obviously no one's really sick enough to do projections. Um, I think it's interesting that there is different salary tiers in the game because I know when it was classic format, a lot of times they would all just have the same salary. So as like a thought experiment, I almost feel like it would be doing projections based on position, right? Where each position, say tight ends have a set projection, pass catchers, running backs. Is that how you would think about it? And then kind of following up on that, what kind of projection would you assign defenses in that thought experiment? Yeah, I haven't registered yet for the 150s. Uh, I know that I'll be in the 20 maxes for sure because I know I can hand build 20 if I feel good about that. But if I'm doing 150, I know I've got to optimize. And yeah. I, I just don't really feel so good about setting a baseline projection. I think what I would do, um, and I've got the 50th percentiles, the kind of the median projections on or the median outcomes for historical on the site as well. I think I would set a baseline and just crank up the variance for defense. Defenses are one of the strongest positions, and it kind of goes back to what we've talked about. Um, if you guys followed along for any of the preseason content as well, like pre 
preseason defenses are so strong because they're the only position on the field that's going to rack up points for a full four quarters. And then you have this this Pro Bowl game where you have offenses that don't have continuity. They haven't played together and they're just out there playing backyard football. So, yeah, the offenses tend to score quite a few points, but they also make mistakes. They're willing to chuck it up and into double and triple coverage just for the, the sick play that may end up getting picked off. Uh, and we've seen the last two seasons that there's been five interceptions combined in the past two Pro Bowls. So uh, I think there is some legitimacy to defenses. And while the field may have caught up on what we talked about earlier with the tight ends, I don't think they're there yet with defenses. So uh, if we if we want to kind of rank positionally, I think if you start with defense and then wide receivers, while understanding that, that position has more variance, then I think D- DST is is certainly next. So it is a 62 and a half point over under. And, and I guess that would be a question then, because you're talking about defenses a little bit. Would you then, if you're, I, I don't know, I mean, because we're talking about projections being so difficult to make, but would you then downgrade some of the, I guess some of that same defenses team scores just because then theoretically the, the total there could be affected by the defense putting up a touchdown or maybe two. Yeah. See the last game, it was, I think it was like 33, 38 was the final score and you still had both defenses crack the optimal lineup. I think you're most likely getting there from a couple of sacks uh, and, and definitely, you know, getting a pick and then still hoping for a pick six, but it's just, it's such a lackadaisical. If you've ever watched it, obviously it's such a lackadaisical offensive environment where everyone's just out there. It, it is a true like seven on seven. Everyone's just kind of out there having fun. So you see these plays that you wouldn't normally make in a regular season game and, and quarterbacks obviously aren't punished here. So you see them force things a little bit, and that's why you see so many so many picks. I probably wouldn't try playing like an AFC defense against four or five NFC skill position players or something like that. So I might group or rule that out. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's just so hard with this format to try and set too many strict rules because there's there's really very little correlation that you can try and build around. So I have a, a list of the projections here from Fantasy Cruncher. People in the chat also saying that uh, Roto Grinders, I guess, is Pro Bowl projections. Run the Sims also sent an email saying that membership is free th- uh, through the Super Bowl. But you're just they don't have any comments. That that that's not that doesn't have to do with Pro Bowl. No, I know that. Right, I know that. I'm just I'm reading it out loud. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you go. You drop it in the chat. That's something useful. You got to be go careful, Ron Burgundy. Uh, <laughs> comments. Sometimes you know you start reading one, and you're like, "Fuck, I have." No, to that's fair. I just want to. You know, just, I'm so happy we had Justin on the show last week. I'm overcome with joy. I just want to plug him at every turn. Uh, but I want to just ask you some questions about the lower price guys, because obviously on showdowns it does tend to be something that people gravitate towards. And on DraftKings, you have guys around the one thousand dollar range or under. Kyle Uzcheck, Patrick Ricard, uh, Jakeem Grant, Matthew Slater. Would you consider playing any of these guys at this point, given that a few of those guys are kicker turners, which are going to be greatly devalued by the spot and shoes format? And then also these other guys, I mean, uh, we talked about Anthony Sherman touchdown, so maybe there is some touchdown equity they could land on, but would you trust them at any sort of volume? Yeah, Anthony Sherman and Kyle Juszczyk, surprisingly enough, are two of the top scoring running backs over the last like five or six years. So interestingly enough, you know, maybe maybe the coaching staffs throw the the fullbacks a bone a little bit give them a couple touches but uh, no I don't think we necessarily need to dig down into that range because I think the field uh, we have enough options if you will that I don't think we need to worry too much about being duped as long as we're kind of being smart about it the field still wants to try and maximize salary or get as close as they can so you mentioned Jonathan Taylor being the highest price player on the slate I think a lot of people want to play him and I think that's wrong um, we have Kyle Pitts who we, we talked about tight ends a lot already. Kyle Pitts is probably one of the strongest plays in the slate. And I think if I remember right, he's 3,200. Uh, if you start there, especially with like Pitts at captain, um, you're going to be way under on salary anyway. Um, so I just don't think there's a need to, to fully dumpster dive for these guys, if you will, uh, in like the one K or sub one K range. So, Pete, I see you pulling up a lineup here. You're just trying to get Cody to build one year lineup <laughs> to get down to a solid 249 flat. Yeah, what is your rate, Cody, if uh, I were to ask you to build, say, I don't know, 250 of these? <laughs> so first, we're going to have, yeah, 
I think I think the thing is like it'll be interesting. Uh, Brian Jester posted a tweet earlier that I thought was interesting. I didn't have ownership rates, but how much the field caught up. Uh, it wasn't last year, but the year before on uh, you know how often you should use tight ends. And uh, so he posted in 2019, the last time we had a Pro Bowl, um, well, before last year, I guess, before 2020, uh, 78% total flex ownership and 18% captain ownership. And that went way up to 124% last, the last time we had a Pro Bowl and 32% captain. Um, so they, they definitely caught on. Uh, I think obviously with, with a little bit more content out there, I don't think too many people are, are grinding this, but with my stuff out there and, and doing the show and people kind of being more um, privy to it, I think that tight ends will be there. I think maybe the, the natural pivot is to still target the uh the, the pass catchers but maybe be a little bit more overweight on on wide receivers if the field's really going to catch up on tight ends to that level so i think we could start to build the lineup pete but i'm going to ask one question cody and this is a question where you might not want to go the full uh zero to 100 route but would you consider just taking jonathan taylor out of your player pool just to get you know different from all those lineups right away and because of the fact that we are talking about him very likely to be a negative ev play yeah i think i'm gonna go zero uh all running backs at captain uh, and then I'll probably have a little bit there in flex. I think they can still get there, but I think they're so much more likely to be outscored by their wide receiver tight end counterparts that I, I just don't want them in captain. They, they might find funnel their way into a flex. Uh, but if there was a guy, if you told me zero or a hundred, it, it was definitely zero on Jonathan Taylor. So let's let's dig into this lineup, and I'm just going to read the top 10 projected plays according to Fantasy Cruncher. Obviously, the Roto-Grinders projections, what Cody's looking at on ETR, uh, they might be a little bit different, but they do have them ranked Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, Justin Jefferson, Hunter Renfro, and then bringing up the rear there is Patrick Mahomes. So with that in mind, Pete, uh, I guess if any of those guys stand out as being uh, somebody you could disagree with, feel free to say that too. But if you want to start to build the lineup, I, you're the one who has to start here, and I don't want Cody doing all the work for you. Yeah, I say we aim, you know, for like just building the cash game lineup of the Pro Bowl, if that is even a possible thing. And God, if, if there are people playing cash game <laughs> Pro Bowl, send me a message because you are who I actually want to talk to. I want to help you, actually. Yeah, let's go ahead and put uh, Kyle Pitts in at captain. Um, yeah, love seems that. Like we, we have a nice consensus on him being one of the best plays. Okay, so Cody, uh, you are the guest here, so I'll let you go second and we can just go one pick each. So we don't have to do full snake draft. Yeah, why don't we go to the opposite conference and, and stay with the tight end position and just go with Mark Andrews? Okay. I will, you know, we're, we're going tight end heavy. How heavy on tight end do we want to go? I'm going to go Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I mean, it like just going through this, uh, I mean, is the would the optimal cash game lineup probably be all four tight ends and two defenses? I think so. I think you're so unlikely to take a zero in that situation. Maybe a quarterback sneaks in, but like then if then if you have the quarterback that gets in and still plays a quarter, but like throws for 75 yards and doesn't find the end zone, it's not enough. Like then you're gonna have you know you're gonna have the tight ends that catch a few passes for sure. And then this is this is so, so crazy. This is like also the first time that we've actually had good tight ends, like a full good tight end group in the Pro Bowl. We had uh, we had Jared Cook, we had Jack Doyle, we had Austin Hooper in in. in Pro Bowl slates passed. So, yeah, I think that we just want to max this position and then figure it out from there, whether that be a quarterback or, or just jamming in the DSTs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll try to deviate a little bit just yeah. for, uh, but let's just say that that uh, if you're scooping Justin Herzig, uh, maybe start with something <laughs> like that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and do a Debo here. Um, I think 
the, obviously we know about Debo's versatility uh, in real games, but I actually think that that could be a pretty nice asset in this game. You mentioned the fullbacks sometimes getting the goal line touches. I can see them wanting to have fun with this. Oh, Debo's also a running back thing and him getting schemes, some unique touches around the goal line. So he feels like a fairly kind of safe, high floor type play here. Yeah, agreed. I'm going to go with the guy that I think is another uh, high floor type guy in in a true boy amongst men in this, especially amongst this wide receiver group. I'm going Hunter Renfro. Ooh. Um, likely playing most a majority of his snaps out of the slot. And again, not to get too football bro or, or hand in the dirt here, but uh, if the Titans have a good matchup, the slot receivers have a good matchup too. They're unlikely to see cornerback coverage with only four cornerbacks on the field. They're probably going to get uh, strong safety coverage. And I think, I mean, Hunter Renfro just putting those guys in a blender. So let's get like seven for 60 uh, from Hunter Renfro, a classic, a classic slot line from him. Hunter also, Renfro getting a lot of love on this show. Yesterday, Spags and I did our first underdog big board draft, and uh, we took Hunter Renfro fairly aggressively and now just jamming him here. He's our new king. Yeah, I would say, too, for him, like he was in the skill composition of the passing skills composition or competition. Why am I saying composition the other day? And I think that's one where maybe he gets a gimmick play. I know uh, Devontae Adams threw a pass, I think, last year or two years ago. So there are some some options here that maybe he does luck box a passing CD. Um uh, so this is a parallel question before I, I make my pick here, Cody. How much salary are you willing to leave on the table here? I know for a regular showdown, we're usually talking, you know, 5K or willing to go. Uh, we are trending towards 20K left <laughs> behind here. So how low will you go? Yeah, this is what you get into. Like, I think if you're if you're playing optimally, you probably have a couple of tight ends and you probably have a couple of pass catchers and you're fading uh, a majority of these quarterbacks and these high-priced running backs that people are just going to want to jam in. Um, if you do go the route of trying to kind of get closer to the salary cap, I, I'm okay with that. But you end up, I think, should still be playing uh, a majority of those as the high-priced pass catchers and then maybe one of those quarterbacks up top. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is no salary floor for me. Like if I end up spending, you know, leaving 25K on the table, I'm totally cool with that. I mean, right, well, it, can you go as far as just saying, like, just ignore the salaries, right? I mean, yeah. they, they don't even matter. You can't, I mean, you can max it, right? If you're playing all of those top guys, but I think that's yeah. wrong. Uh, and I, I hope that incentivizes people to do that when they see that there's 20K left on the table and, and they're like, well, maybe I can take this guy out for for Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, um, I think maybe in this lineup, we've got three FC pass catchers like a Patrick Mahomes makes sense. But yeah, if that if, if the way that the salaries shake out just incentivize people to spend more money, I think that's good for us. So yeah, if you had to people, choose here between one of the defense, sorry to cut you off, Pete. If you were to choose between one of the defenses here in your final spot, given this construction, would you want to go AFC more or NFC? Uh, so we're pretty evenly split when we consider that we kind of got a premium on the NFC captain, uh, but with just one NFC pass catcher. Uh, I, I don't think it matters too much, but having the three AFC guys, I think I would just prefer to have uh, uh, an NFC captain. Okay. NFC defense. Yeah. Or NFC, yeah, NFC defense. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, I think too, just for people who might be wondering, like why, why, why would you be using, you know, defenses in a high-scoring game that people associate with no defense? But it, the thought here, it's the same thing that we're looking for in shootout games uh, in the NFL, where it's like we're just looking for those big plays that can result in pick sixes, um, you know, stuff like that. Cody mentions in his article, kind of the sloppy play in this game. So the super high scoring sloppy games are actually a dream scenario for the defenses. And if I recall correctly, Cody, were both defenses in the optimal last year? Yeah, both defenses were in the optimal last year. And like I said, that was a game that ended 38, 33 or something like that. So you are hoping for, you know, just to kind of land on the right side of variance. I think they, 
that this not to get super nerdy but like the defenses and the wide receivers especially kind of have this bimodal distribution which just means that a lot of times they're going to score very few points and then also a lot of times they're going to score a lot of points so there's very little in in between so a lot of times you're going to get 10 12 15 points from your defense but other times you'll get you know zero one two so be mindful of that but yeah it is it is a very sloppy game and a lot of mistakes happen so Cody's got a hard out coming up in two minutes, but the last question I'm going to ask you, Cody, before we give you the floor to plug everything here, including people should be following you at C main seven. Are you willing to play the defensive captain then given what you're talking about here? Cause it feels like you could get away with that. And that's another way to leave money on the table and get a uh, pretty different right away. Yeah, I think so. Um, just given the way that the scoring works out, if you get more distributed um, pass catching targets between your wide receivers and tight ends, I think that is one route to go. You're just really hoping that you don't get that one monster game like we saw, like we saw from like Mark Andrews last year, where he had 20 some points. You're, I don't think you're going to see those type of games from the DSTs, but I, I will have captain exposure to both. We also have a question from Neil here. Uh, one of the few positions we uh, haven't discussed, which obviously come into play with the showdown format here. Um, any takes on kickers? I know in the uh, article, people can go see kind of their historical scoring, but uh, are you going to mix these guys at all in MME? I don't think I'm going to have much. Uh, they have a really narrow band and they don't have like a big, big ceiling. Uh, as, as we've seen, I think coach, coaching staffs are more incentivized to go for it. Um, and we don't see as many field goals attempted. And I had a hard time confirming if this is still a thing. Um, but the last time we saw the Pro Bowl play, they shrunk the field goals and extra points from 18 foot six. So they shrunk the goalposts <laughs> from 18 foot six inches to 14 feet. Um, so just make things a little bit more difficult for the kickers. Uh, I don't know if that's still a thing. I couldn't couldn't confirm that, <laughs> but uh, I, I will have less exposure to kickers than I, you know, I'm I'm a kicker bro when it comes to regular showdown, regular season showdown. So I'll have much less exposure in the Pro Bowl. The old rock and jock Pro Bowl. All right. So Cody, give the people the plug one more time. Of course, you're doing great work over to establish the run. You are a showdown king. People should be following you at C Main Seven. Anything else you want to say to the people before you have to jump off? Yeah, we'll be doing all the showdown content for the Super Bowl leading up to Sunday. So check out the Establish the Run uh, Super Bowl show and just everything on the site. Like Spags mentioned, if you want more information or have any questions, feel free to follow me on Twitter at CMain7. All right, awesome. Thanks for doing the show, Cody. We appreciate it. All right, you bet. Thank Talk you, to you, Cody. Later. See you. Good luck right, on go. Sunday. Thanks. <laughs> Also, here's how sharp Cody is, by the way. Our guy, Neil Orfield in chat. Uh, Pete, he fits the Lulz criteria. Millionaire maker winner multiple times over. One of Osmo's uh, newer on-camera talents because he just was winning so much with the Osmo avatar. But uh, we Cody puts asses in the seats and actually credible asses in the seats. I know. What uh, What are you implying? That our, our usual programming just brings out riffraff in the chat because yeah. that's what uh, Spags just implied. And I would never say that to the rest Riff of Raff you. Riffraff so. and ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> There you go. A little bit of column B. Um, Pete, I think we can talk a little bit about coaching. I think we should try to do a low bowl pro bowl lineup just because now we know the good information and we can use that to our advantage to build a shitty lineup. Uh, but make sure you are hitting the like button, hit subscribe as well. And shout out to all of you guys for hanging out with us and giving us a chance uh, to give you guys some pro bowl information. And um, I, I would, uh, Pete knows because I was late. I'm, I'm never late to our stream yards. I was late because I had to rearrange this entire studio after our plumber had to get access to the main water line. I was actually tilting because this was one of the few, one, you're, you're normally never late, and two, we normally don't have a guest that actually has a hard out, and mm -hmm. so this was the one time I was like, where the fuck is Spags? <laughs> Classic me, just keeping you on your toes, Pete, but we <laughs> appreciate everybody being here. Um, let's do some coaching news real fast because we did have one big hire that was not on in time for yesterday's show. Doug Peterson going to the Jags. I'm excited for this one, Pete. I think it's great news for your LaVisca Chenault, as long as he stays on the roster, as long as he stays on Doug Peterson's good side. As uh, long as he stays on the roster, get out of here with that FUD. Is, oh, you think there's no chance that he gets a, a little release or a little trade? No. No chance at all? 
uh, released? No. Or traded. Well, one he's of the a, two. He's on a rookie contract. Now, I mean, traded is like a whole, I mean, trades happen so infrequently in the NFL, even for, especially for guys on their rookie contract. I, I think it's highly, highly unlikely. Would you take a $50 bet right now to say that he's not on the Jags roster? Because I think there's a better than no percent chance. Would you take, uh, uh, give me some It's, odds it's on obviously it. greater than zero, but I, I I would say it's like, I'm not going to give you super long odds on this, but it, the true odds, it's like less than 5% chance. So you're saying it's like, a, <laughs> we got like some nine to one odds bet here, maybe $50 bet, nine to one? Sure, I'll give you $50 bet, nine to one. That Wow, that, okay. That Visca is on the roster uh, a year from now. <laughs> okay. Not, I'm excited for this. This is, I got great odds of the bet. That's a plus EV bet, Pete. But uh, again, has to do with uh, getting released. Yeah. <laughs> Visca is not getting released. No, released or traded. He, Him not being on the roster. Okay, fine. I mean, he's not getting traded. Whatever. He's, you know, the seventh round pick, they're getting <laughs> response there. Anyway, I do think the Doug Peterson's hire is a good one. I do think getting a guy in, um, he's been doing some work with 33rd team who I know a little bit from our, my day job here where, uh, we've talked with them a little bit. They are, uh, helmed by former GM slash football operations president, Mike Tannenbaum, and also rehab Mike McCarthy's reputation. Um, a lot of sharp front office guys kind of talking about things, getting smarter, um, in their time away from working. I like this hire a lot, Pete. I don't know how you feel about it. I know maybe the Philly fans, maybe if I had my boots on the ground today, it's rainy outside, so I couldn't go canvassing like we usually do. But I think they soured on Doug Peterson at the end with how he handled Jalen Hurts and just really the team overall. Carson Wentz certainly was not great. But I think getting that year away, getting a, a fresh start here with the Jags organization that um, maybe could have hired Byron Leftwich and made the fan base happier. But I think if you're like a, somebody who's investing in Trevor Lawrence, like if we were doing a best ball draft today on the 2022 big board on underdog, I think I would go with the Jag stack other than, you know, including LaVisca Schnault, who, as we said, might not be on the team. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is just a win because anyone other than urban Meyer, uh, was going to be a win. So someone with just, um, you know, a, a moderately decent resume, like, uh, Doug Peterson, I think is, uh, is pretty good for him. I mean, do people consider is Doug Peterson considered more of like an offensive leaning head coach or more of like a defensive lean? Like what is his background? Definitely more of an offensive leaning coach. I mean, I think he got a lot of the attribution for again the most out of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles when they actually were running good. I, you can make the case it's probably more of a Frank Reich thing. Uh, but I guess what, what we saw of Carson Wentz, maybe that was the best Carson Wentz we saw with Frank Reich helming him again. Um, but I think that's sort of the take. And Doug Peterson, too, is a guy who is really aggressive analytically, historically, um, goes for it more on fourth downs, which increases the volatility, which for a team like the Jags that's young and and just trying to make their strides. I think that opens up a lot of production fantasy-wise. And, you know, Travis Etienne, too, like we saw how Miles Sanders got used in the Doug Peterson offense. Um, if, James, if James Robinson doesn't get back and isn't healthy, or even if he is, like I think in Etienne, I thought he was going really high in that draft he did yesterday. I think he went in the sixth round. But I feel like Etienne, you could kind of justify him because Peterson is going to lean on the run, going to get him some short throws, get him into space. And I feel like these are really good things for Trevor Lawrence and really good things for all the skill position guys that are going to be actually be on the roster. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's pretty good. I mean, there's there's not a lot of... I don't know, elite coaches that are kind of available for hire. And, you know, Doug Peterson, you know, having won a Super Bowl, having done it, you know, with with Nick Foles and stuff. I think that's a it's a pretty good resume for him. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy for any change of scenery for Lawrence, for Visca, for for all these Jack skill position players. 
And I hope DJ Chark too finds it, whether it be at Jacksonville or somewhere, I hope he finds a good home. Cause I like that guy. And I, I feel like it's kind of sucks that he got hurt this year as contract year. And then, you know, could end up being somewhere else. Uh, but Nick in the chat saying that I would be Peterson over left, which to be clear, I think that either of them would have been a good hire, but if you're the Jags and you get, you know, a Super Bowl winning coach in, I, I mean, Mike McCarthy didn't do a lot for the Cowboys, but uh, for the most part, Super Bowl winning pedigree for a team like the Jags, like, I think you got to file that as a, a moral victory either way. Um, Pete, let's, let's do a low ball lineup here. And, uh, Pete knows my OCD. I try to get us to the hour shows, but, um, I think we would really have to stretch and, and just start talking about like the plumber being here today. <laughs> Spags, I, I, you kill me, dude. We could, we could easily have shot the shit for as long as we want. And then you have to say, we don't have enough to talk. I literally stream like 15 hours a week and you're over here checking the clock on me. Spags, your OCD is out of control. I've actually found out right before the show, too. I'm going to have to travel for work in two weeks. Actually, what would be fun to do, because you would rip the shit out of me, um, watching my segment yesterday. Oh, boy, Pete. <laughs> it, the it was cheddar? Weird, like, no, so our PR firm was like, I did a good job. The issue is like, because it was so segmented, I kept looking over to the left. And for me, I things like that drive me absolutely insane. Is like looking to the left, being heavily scripted, not being able to present the charm and wit that we normally do on this show. I'll make it for me to be uncomfortable, even though I know that's how you know the traditional media does work. Wow, wow. Um, I I, I feel like a great segment would be us doing like uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand <laughs> of your cheddar spot you, yesterday. Do you want? I'll I'll look. I'll do it. I'll give you the link if we want to do that before we do Pro Bowl lowball. Uh, boy, Pro Bowl lowball is a, a tough phrase. <laughs> it's actually a better as we learn. I mean, pro. Uh, what was it? Conference championship or divisional round lowball? Conference championship lowball was a disaster. Uh, we didn't. Did we update people on that. Um, I, I mean, I, I won that one barely. I think we talked about it briefly, but Pete and I both scored, I think in the 125, 130 range. And I, I barely finished under you by like seven points. I believe I had my low ball lineup scored one point less than the lineup I put in the spy that I cashed. I think I like 2.5 X min cashed and my low ball lineup was almost just as good. So, uh, we learned a valuable lesson that conference championship, uh, low ball does not exist, but pro bowl, uh, low ball, I think will certainly uh, be a thing to get pro bowl low ball. Hard to say though. Pro like bowl, it sounds bowl, catchy. If you say it enough bowl. times, like pro bowl, low ball, pro bowl, low ball, pro bowl, low ball. It um, sounds like I'm saying Rebecca, you know, Rebecca Lobo, but if <laughs> Lobo was ball, um, if Pete, I sent you the link, if you want to do it, uh, 1745 would be, I do want to, I do want to see some of this. Okay. I think, look, I, I don't think this is fantastic, but I know Pete will get in some fun ribs and I, I will, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Hopefully it doesn't get you demonetized. Uh, hey God, I, I'm going to love this. <laughs> I know. I know you will. Honestly, for us, sometimes we just do Chris things on the show that bring us joy. And now there we go. And Can you hear gaming. this? So Chris, Again. this NFL season is on the verge of wrapping up. And it was such an amazing season at Champion Gaming. You use your data and, and analytics to help better. So Hannah. first of all, this is such a hard like setup because she's talking to the camera and talking to you, but she like kind of wants to look over her shoulder to mm -hmm. to talk to you. It's just like not an ideal uh, camera setup for this. There's get no, my a better edge. Like so what do you think are some of the biggest takeaways from this season from that point of view? 
So definitely our teams at Football Outsiders and Edge Sports, two of our subsidiaries at Champion. Can we just get a smile? Like, why, why do you look like you have a stick up your ass right now? Because I'm a serious data man, Pete. I'm talking about our subsidiaries, <laughs> Football Outsiders and Edge Sports, as a VP of content at Champion Gaming. Uh, thank you also, by the way, for getting the uh, the splash play uh, thumbnail back there. I'm surprised you didn't change it to a th- uh, cheddar thumbnail. No, if you think I'm not plugging, it's so like indirectly or directly plugging Splash Play in everything I do. That is correct. Like, I was, yeah, gaming. A lot of what they do is digging into the the team data here and sort of I what teams are doing slow, that's different way. than the usual. Sputtering. And over 20 years of data collection, what we have seen um, not happen a lot is coaches being really aggressive out there. And that's what we saw this year, where a lot of the traditional media out there, which I'm sure you guys are not that uh, same way, but you know, we'll bash the analytics and we'll go, oh, don't go for it on fourth down, play it safe. We show that playing more aggressive is a move that's going to help teams win more frequently. And, and for betters out there, it does make things more volatile in a way where in-game bets gain in value. So really, that's been a big change. And, and when you hear somebody beating up on Brandon Staley, just know that we got his back. We're waiting somewhere around the corner nearby. That was a, that was a good anecdote. That I, I could, did, you re, did you pre-write that one? Yeah, I had to submit it in writing. I mean, like I, I had to work <laughs> it that remember to tie it back and imply that we're going to beat up people who insult Brandon Staley. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good line. The delivery's a little stiff, but I do need to give you some props on that one. Thank you, Pete. Well, I have to ask about emotional picks because this is something I tend to do a lot. Did use of data and analytics save you from making those emotional and potentially ill-advised picks? I mean, I'm definitely not immune to an emotional pick. I put some futures money on USC this week in the hopes that they'll finally be good once again. But I know the really the main thing is just. I think you do have to mention that that's your alma mater to kind of drive home why it's a. Uh, an emotional pick that is a fair point and you know again that's what happens when you have the script and you're not really reading off the script and you forget what you put down and you just you miss a word or two sometimes feet yeah you know i'm just giving you my notes here i appreciate it i need it just bringing a strategy to everything you're doing betting wise having just something you fall back on to know that you're not going to get destroyed you're not going to give up a lot of bankroll is very important but really um it's about finding the value line shopping around you know checking your bet mgms checking everywhere to see the best spags is just the king of plugs even when he's plugging something that he doesn't even benefit from he's plugging cheddar's sponsor mgm with his reference i mean you are a professional shill and, and honestly like i can't even get a bet on bet mgm because they won't fucking improve my account so like i can't, <laughs> I can't bet there but i know if i'm doing a show that they'll be like oh yeah like if they see it they're like oh this guy's spags promoting us who doesn't even have to <laughs> Oh, that's so good. That you can get for the take you want to have. And hopefully if you have that North Star, you're going to find yourself being more profitable over time. So what are the most important lessons you learned betting on this There's football season overall, overall do you think? Uh, you saw a lot of it is really just coming down to making bets as quickly as you can with how the NFL moves. Markets are very quick to adjust for the NFL, probably more than any other sport out there. So when you have a quarterback who's ruled out, whether it be due to injury or COVID or really any player who has some sort of value to the team, that's something you want to jump on right away. Uh, but more than Spags, looking at your teleprompter on the side. I mean, so I have to move my lap. Like I have a pedestal here or like you could see maybe on the screen now, like where I could have moved it right here, but because like they're over here, like I want to be able to see the person and, and yeah, look, I, I've made some mistakes, Pete. I got to get better. <laughs> look at these eyes over here. Looking at the, she's just trying to have a genuine connection with her guest and you're over here looking at your notes. I love you doing the Madden teleprompter on me. Like, look at this guy's <laughs> eyes over here. Boom. He can't even look into the camera. <laughs> you know what, Spags? I think my, my advice for you would be similar to the advice on your sign back here. It does get easier. I promise. <laughs>
for me, a lot of it is really taking advantage of the sports book data out there, you know, knowing to, if you see a line that's inefficient, if you see something as a plus 105 and at every book that you normally look at as a minus 110, that means it's a positive money bet. And that's something you want to take. And I think that's sort of, you know, the approach that you really want to have, like I was talking about earlier with everything you do is having that North star, knowing that you are taking the best value you could possibly find. And things that don't work is always going to be the you know, same for me as anybody else, where you take a bet, um, show, you feel again. like it's good. It ends up losing or it's trending towards losing. You then chase after it. You go like, oh, this line is too good. I'm going to try to get after it again. And that's something that's just always going to be a mistake. And you know, other things that some people out there might advocate for, things like hedging, cashing out early. At the end of the day, if you're making a bet, you're hopefully making it from a place that knows, hey, the data is telling me that this is a great idea. And maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. Hopefully it is. I like how the talking points for what didn't work were on the screen before you even said those exact same words. Well, it's funny too because I forgot to say that part of my <laughs> of my answer that they had prepared for because you give them in advance so they can make these graphics. And then like I I saw the graphic on the screen it was like that's right I did say cashed out early. Hedging <laughs> are bad things to do, so I remembered. It really the process all paid dividends. I'm sure. I cannot. So you're telling me if Cheddar wanted to have me on. They would want me to write out everything I was going to say. For the most part, yeah, you can go a little higher level. Like they just use it to make these graphics and, and you know, sort of give a point. I overwrote it though because I'm like, I just, <laughs> you my overwrote first time it. Doing it. That doesn't to... sound like, oh, yeah, guys. I know. It's shocking, right? <laughs> but I wanted them to know, like, this guy's a pro. He's coming in with great stuff. Is there any uh, really good stuff that uh, I still need to see from this? Does it heat I mean, up? It's, it's honestly almost over. We might as well. Okay. I want to see the end. And you got to really trust your gut on that one and go with that initial instinct. Give us a quick message to future Chris and future Hannah that we can revisit before got, week one gotta, next season. A quick message to maybe it isn't, maybe what? it is. Hopefully, you gotta really trust your gut on that one and go with that initial instinct. Give us a quick message to future Chris and future Hannah that we can revisit before week one. There's a smile though, like I got back. I think there's one big thing that stuck out to me and, you know, Joe Burrow's run here down the home stretch is a really important thing I think to take note of where before the season, the Bengals were valued to be an AFC winner, a Super Bowl winner, as often as a team like the New York Jets. And, you know, the Jets might be a punchline to some people, but they are a team that's young and didn't have the talent there. Whereas the Bengals are a team, you know, high pedigree guys at wide receiver, at quarterback, a coach who comes from a really strong you know background as well. And that's the thing that you really want to keep in mind is that, these teams are undervalued, especially younger players, as they are coming into their own, as they are establishing themselves as known qualities. You can take advantage there. So I think that's really the main thing is being aware of those lines, teams as well, that that start slow, the Chiefs this year. Yeah, it didn't end up working out, but they were really undervalued for large stretches of the season. So young players, teams that people just kind of sour on, those are always going to be two of your biggest advantages. And of course, I mean, one of the biggest things that happened this season was, of course, dealing with a, the by coronavirus way, this was a pandemic. Threw a wrench this was into not game on the plan. sheet. I had to, I had to wing this one. Oh my God, Spags, were you just terrified at someone asking no, you a question? No, because this is where I'm. This is my natural comfort point. Okay. Like I think if when I answer this one, it's probably the most natural response I give. All right, I'll, everyone, look at you know Spags, you know, lighting up in his eyes, ready to actually have a true conversation and not read off of his teleprompter four feet to the side of his camera. All season, how much more difficult do you believe? that this made things from a better's perspective this past season? 
in some respects, it makes it easier. In some respects, it makes it harder. Like, how do you judge a, a team like the Detroit Lions, where Jared Goff is a, a player who's been reviled for the last few years, but he's clearly better than the guy who was his backup, Tim Boyle. You know, it definitely can change the equation. I know at Football Outsiders, we do account for those changes um, in a way that a well, lot of other models the out there just don't account for, where there is a 20% drop-off, let's say, between When's a Jared Goff to a Tim Boyle. Even if you don't think the most of Jared Goff, he's a pro-caliber quarterback who's been doing this a few years, made it to a Super Bowl, is highly paid for a reason. So that's just something to keep in mind and, and ties into that point of just market inefficiencies and trying to capitalize on them when you can. Well, Chris, we thank you so much for joining us today. That was Chris Spagnolo, VP thank of you. Content at Champion Gaming. That's going to do it for this. Wow. So you get like, we do the Tim Boyle thing. Like, I'll tell you what, not a lot of people coming up with Tim Boyle references off the top of their head, but that's where I, that's right where I went to. Yeah. You know, um, I think, uh, you know, it was a decent start. I think we got to, we got to work on the, uh, on the script stuff. I think you need to, I, I think you'd be just better off, um, going completely off the cuff. It's like, it's the, it's the wedding toast thing, right? If you are reading a prepared wedding toast, people don't cut you a lot of slack. It's like, you better, you better nail this. Cause you had all the time in the world to prepare it verse if you're just going off the cuff everyone's like oh they're just speaking from their heart and if you stumble or whatever they'll they'll, they'll allow it because you know they know you're uh you're not reading a script uh paul v is saying i'm just glad you didn't get yourself canceled spags that's true it is it has been five years now almost so i guess i'm i'm due for something bad around the bend <laughs> well i so is this gonna be a recurring uh segment for you uh, I don't, I guess if they liked me enough though, honestly, I was kind of offended because they didn't clip my thing, but it was, it was at the end of the show. So like, I get why, cause they transitioned into the next thing and their clips are all going live, but I'll tell you what, I wanted to give a little retweet to be like, Oh, look, like here's my clip. And instead here I am just <laughs> getting insulted vaguely. <laughs> on our show. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. The chat though being very nice shout out and FF doom going with to the vintage good shit spags that you, <laughs> I really wish out of all the memes that we could take from this show. I do wish that people just saying good shit spags to me with everything I do. I would have such positive vibes and everything I attack in life. Um, do you know, do you know who's who that girl's dad is? No, uh, a hockey player of some sort. I would guess Kevin Harlan. What? No, no, that's the, she was a different segment. That's Hannah. Oh, that's a different yeah. segment. I was yeah. like, cause I was just reading the, uh, the description and I saw that name and I was like, that's, that's Kevin Harlan's daughter. No, that's like that. That woman is Hannah Ostrapachuk. And then, uh, okay. Olivia Harlan was on two segments before me. She was, she was my opening act opening for the main eventer, me. Okay. Gotcha. I missed that. I missed that. Yeah. The main eventer who didn't get clipped, the sports gambling <laughs> podcast guy who followed me and whatever, right? Like he got clipped. Fucking four spags. We're giving the best plus EV betting advice and no, no clip for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you'll, you'll work your way up, uh, to that. You just don't have quite the pedigree of, you know, someone in the Kevin Harlan family. That's true. Look, I, I've only, I've only been loosely affiliated with Kevin Harlan's genitals, not, <laughs> not officially. So either way, do we want to do a low ball lineup or the, <laughs> is that enough? No, yeah. Let's, let's use held let's, steady. So shout out to people hanging out with us just for that. I, that makes me happy. Please. Fat. I mean, Spags basically just vocalizes all of his ticks of like, oh man, are we gonna be able to do another 10 minutes of content? Uh wow, look at the views. They're still holding strong. <laughs> it's my own insecurities though, because like I know people like we care about football. We talk about football here, and I know people enjoy the personality stuff. Again, we are the mad TV of fantasy football, Pete. But I would say also uh, a thing we're pitching, uh maybe maybe a serious XM show for us, Pete. Maybe that might be a thing we could do. Really? Maybe it's in the it's all in the right. realm of possibilities. All right. Yeah. Uh, watch out, Jeff Mann's Splash play is coming. 
Mm-hmm. I, look, I'm fully embracing the Nick Ercolano side of things where we just need to talk about our business, the him and Sal Vetri, where it's like, yeah, Pete and I were pitching syndication deals. I'm doing cheddar. Pete's going to be out the Super Bowl trying to get somebody to interview him on Media Row. It's it's going to be great. I, I, I legit don't even... I don't even know if I'm going to media row when I'm out there. I'm, I I might just be going out there to hang out at the underdog house and try to get Jack to make uh vaguely ironic TikTok videos with me. <laughs> I guess that's a, also a reasonable fallback. <laughs> um, all right, let's build the shittiest possible uh, low ball lineup here. And I would say in traditional low ball, we, we have to use a, a certain amount of salary. I'm wondering if, because salary just doesn't matter. So I'm wondering if for proper lowball, if we do actually have to try to use all the salary, that that might actually be. Oh, if we, if we use all, if we use all the salary, I mean, I could tell you my strategy right now is loading up on QBs and running backs. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, Hmm. I'm trying to think what makes this um, the hardest from a salary perspective. Also, I have to read Nick's chat here. Not, you know, I, I don't need me to pump the tires, but he said Splash Plays Legit become my favorite show during the week. I think you're doing just fine. Thank you, Nick. We do a lot of self-effacing things here, but honestly, for me, seeing the familiar names in the chat, people hanging out with us, even though we're not doing just transactional in-season fantasy content, like that brings me a lot of joy. Splash Play is like one of the highlights of my week every time we do a show. Well, Spags, uh, I'm not quite at the point where I can be this sentimental right now, but... Um, it's been a long season, man. <laughs> make a fucking pick. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor will be my captain. <laughs> yes, that's a great captain. Um, I do think for low ball, we want to see. Actually, Corbin has the good suggestion. Let's do two. Let's do two. Let's do one that's like just low ball. Um, because I do think focusing on running backs, kickers, and quarterbacks is going to be the way to go. I'll go ahead and I'll throw in. Um, I'll throw in Jake Elliott here. Um, Ooh. for this low ball lineup. Okay. So, oh, so we're only, we're doing one collectively. We're not competing against each other. Yeah, I guess. Okay. That's fine. So, uh, so Jake Elliott, um, I mean, I think Alvin Kamara then will be the next pick. Yeah. That's a good pick here. Um, let's see. I think one of these, one of these top projected quarterback starters, like I just can't, I can't even envision Mahomes playing that much is Lamar even going to be able to play it like he was hurt all down the stretch he's going to play in the Pro Bowl um he's he's like a he's listed as a backup um he probably is not going to play a lot that's a that's a good call let's do uh let's do Lamar Jackson yeah I think that he might not go if he does maybe it's a ceremonial one snap um is Mac Jones going to be good in the Pro Bowl? Is that going to be the irony of all ironies? <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. I, I was thinking, like, who's going to be the dustiest quarterback? But um, you sometimes worry that, uh, it, although it even says on here that he he's an injury replacement. So I don't even know if that means he's for sure playing. Yeah, I was, I was, I saw on Twitter too. Some people were baffled that he was even invited to the skills competition. And I can't, like, I don't know that he, I, he would probably play instead of Lamar, I guess. Right, that that that's probably actually what's going to happen. Maybe we just pull out Lamar yeah, and put yeah. in Mac Jones. Because God forbid we put up a zero in this game, that means even less than <laughs> low ball usually does. Let's see here. Um, all right, I want to do. Hmm, let's get another expensive running back. <laughs> let's Lou do saying three running backs. What is this a best ball team? Yeah. 
let's do uh man the running backs are let's do dalvin whatever yeah. i mean they're not what we think dalvin's gonna get 30 carries get the hell out of here and then i guess for the last one i mean we like debo i maybe i think you just have to take the salary with herbert then just to put <laughs> Just to just to chew up some salary, yeah. yeah I think this is a pretty shitty lineup, and yet it probably looks minus the Jake Elliott. It probably looks kind of similar to what someone would actually hand build, thinking it was a good lineup. Like if you took out Elliott and Mac Jones, someone probably is like, "Shit, dude, I can play fucking Pat Mahomes and Herbert in the same lineup. I'll fucking do that." And then they'll be like, "I only have thirty eight hundred. Oh, Hunter Renfro, dude, that guy smashes. That's that's the hand builders lineup. Oh right man, I'm gonna throw a second one in and swap Renfro for Kyle Pitts. Now now it's looking real oh, good, it, dude. Fuck, I was watching Splash Play and they put Pitts in the captain, and I can get him here for thirty two hundred. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to the whole episode. I only watched thirty seconds, <laughs> then turned it off. Dude, you want to actually now try to build like a shitty lineup? <laughs> Let's put in Kyle Juszczyk, man. <laughs> what? That's fucking funny as shit. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's a lot of variations <laughs> on shitty lineup. I honestly think I think all those variations we just looked at will actually be played in one of the big tournaments. Spags, we now have only five more minutes of content to create to make it to 60 minutes and your OCD could stay intact. Do you think we can find something to talk about for five minutes? I don't know. You want to play some Wordle? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean, I wrote in the newsletter today about how I was uh, very disappointed. I mean, we're always disappointed with Tyreek Hill because he's an awful person, but <laughs> the fact that he lost the world's fastest NFL <laughs> he player, didn't even try. Right? Yeah. he didn't even try fourth place to, including two defensive players and a running back who weighs like 240 pounds. Like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah. And Michael Parsons, I, I like Michael Parsons going shirtless too and then just riding with that. Like, look, if I'm like, I, you know, I mean, we talked about my dieting process, all that. If I ever look like Michael Parsons, I might not ever wear a stream, like a shirt on a stream again. Um, Yeah, let me see here. Here, we can, uh, I'll pull up the the clip of the race here so you guys can see what we're talking about. Um, no, we're risking, so either Cheddar or the NFL is going to get us. Somebody's going to get this video. Oh, I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah I'll dare Here that. we go. Tyree killed, not even down to the three-point stance. No. And then he pulls up, too, just to be like, look, just so we're clear, I wasn't trying. What? Like, why does he even agree to do this? I mean. Well, it's, it's like that, Um, the 40 yards of gold or whatever they did a couple years ago that Marquise Goodwin won, I think, or was it? I, I forget who won it, actually. But, like, that was one where it's like, oh, it's a million-dollar prize. Maybe you try fully then. For this, it means nothing. And for Tyreek, like, it's all downside because they expect him to dust everybody. Yes, but it's just, like, he could dust people without even trying. Like, you remember, you know, Usain Bolt and some of those Olympics where he's got to, like, looking over his shoulder because he's so far ahead. Like, Tyreek could have done that. He's wearing baggy sweatpants. I mean, this is just, it's disappointing. Don't do not do the race if you're not actually going to at least go, what, 80%? I mean, that's all we would have need. He, he went, what, like 40% in this? Yeah. The thing that was like, did he stumble initially? Like, do you think he did that on purpose to give himself some cover? Or did he just like, did that happen? And he's like, I'm just done. I'm not going to try anymore. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he was he was clearly not trying for the beginning. It would have been guys trying though. They didn't, they didn't want to lose. No. And it would have been fine if like Tyreek was like, I don't even need to get into a three point stance and I'll still beat you. Um, but the stumble thing here, like, come on, 
Yeah, it's embarrassing. You can't bring that level of effort to the skills composition competition. Why do I keep saying composition? I should honestly rip my tongue out after the show today. I did think that was a fun event, though. I have to say, like, I didn't watch the full thing. I mostly went on social media, and then I, we were watching Ozark and some other stuff. But, like, fun to do. I wish we could do that. Do you know what would honestly be more fun for me mm -hmm. to watch? And it, there would be far less risk of injury, you know, pulling a hammy. Give me a fucking mile race. I want to see the NFL's best miler. Like, what do you think the time would be for, for these guys? And I guess you have to bake into the fact these guys probably aren't training like long distance running and stuff. But if these guys actually uh, tried, what do you think like the top mile time would be for, for an NFL guy? It's probably like a handful of seconds more than the Olympic time, I would think. No, but I, I'm not talking like they can start training for this for a year i'm saying they have like a week notice just at their current kind of levels of conditioning there, there's no way i mean it's an entire different beast than speed work I, I don't think they would be anywhere near close olympic times i mean we're, we're thinking somebody cracks a five minute mile right yeah willis says 445 yeah. uh, i i think yeah i think someone could probably be down there uh around the five minute range let's see let me, i'm gonna see what the gold medal mile time is and we're, ooh, we're cruising to this hour mark uh, current mile world record holders 343 yeah. that that's why i'm saying they, they would be nowhere close to like olympic levels i think you're, you're like willis's guess adding adding another minute uh to that i yeah i bet there's a couple guys that would break five but i also think people would be shocked at like how many elite athletes um might not even have great mile times or not be very good at it. The women's record is 412. Actually, I would like to see like the best woman athlete because like that's one that she would probably win, you would think. The oh, the best woman adverse NFL players in a mile yeah. race. Oh, I'm yeah, any anyone who actually trains running mile time is gonna be in, in very good shape. Though I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a girl dad now, so I guess I don't really have to, you know, <laughs> I don't need to see women beating up on men. Let's go the what, other way. What what position it generally speaking do you think would be best equipped to win the mile race? Because I think I think you could rule out obviously your linemen um mm -hmm. like that. I mean, to me, just like pure traditional build, like the wide receivers are are built the best. Those six three yeah. guys, lean, long strides. The thing is running backs are probably doing the most work because as a wide receiver, you can sort of like LeBron that where you could pace yourself and not go full bore. If it's a run play and like, you know, a lot of them are going still 90%, but I think that's the thing. Whereas running backs, you know, if you're trying to hit that hole, you're going full speed. So I think wide receivers would probably be the one you go to as a default, but the running back would be like a running back could, would be live to win. I think if there were plus money on a running back, I would take them. Look at our, uh, did you know that, uh, Willis was a cross country star in high school? This is not a bit. Willis uh, was extremely fast. 427. <laughs> oh, sorry. I bet I pulled up the wrong comment. Yeah. She, no, I did not know that. I mean, look, I've only seen Willis on our streams. I, I certainly, I did track. I did hurdles. I won one bronze medal in hurdles once in high school. And um, that that's as good as I did. I definitely did not crack a 430 mile. When, get, when can we uh, Zapruder that film of oh, you? I, uh... I'm glad that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, over the summer, that actually should be an off-season episode draft as we do. Because you have stand-up video, right? You've done a stand-up set before. I mean, I, the one that's actually, I actually have video of is just man's. Um, but mm. I, I might I might have a video of my first stand-up set. I have a couple. I have a couple five-minute sets. 
<laughs> we could do that wow. would I, maybe would be problematic again. I gotta, gotta think about that We might have to one. paywall that. That might be just too good even for public consumption. Launching the Splash Play Patreon with our old stand-up bits and just mocking them mercilessly. Actually, not, not the bad. Not the bad Spags, hat. we inorganically made it past six 60 minutes. Can you believe it? We found something to talk about. You doubted us, and yet we were able to do it. I was just willing to let it go. I was willing to let this just be a Pro Bowl video so we could just, you know, have the SEL on it. It feels good. Everybody's happy. And, you know, like I I was willing to let it go today, Pete. You know what? Yeah. Well, Spags, I think you just need to loosen up. We don't need a script. We don't need to worry about our view counts. We don't need to worry about the duration of the shows. Just chill out, man. Just vibe. Just build fun <laughs> Pro Bowl lineups, dude. I'll remember that when you're like, I don't know if I want to do two shows a week in the Aussies. <laughs> Hey, I don't know. Just just keep the checks rolling in, buddy. We'll, we'll line up. <laughs> Look, uh, we're very happy to have you guys here. Thank you for hanging out with us on the show. Obviously, these shows are going to get a little bit looser in terms of the format as, as if it already wasn't. I feel like I'm saying this as though, like, I guess, no, you know what? We do a pretty segmented show generally. I, I just asked you to loosen up and then you just launched into the stiffest outro I've ever heard. <laughs> It's Friday. Let's get nice and loose to discuss the segmenting of a live stream show. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Okay, here we go. Should I let the... Oh, wow. I've never even seen it. No, I, I hate the way it looks down. I think it looks like... I, I don't even know. I feel like I might be like like loosely Nazi-affiliated when it's down. Oh, Jesus, Spags. <laughs> that, that, now we've come full circle. Now we're back to the authentic, real Spags. It's just they... top of mind. There's like a Nazi plotline in the Peacemaker show, which I know is not on your radar. That You're not a Peacemaker type of guy. We need. I, I, I need help, guys, with two memes from today's show. First, I need the Cheddar uh, side-eye clip. Like, if I could get, like, a half-second gif of Spags' eyes just drifting over to his teleprompter, I would be forever grateful. And two, we have to get the Fabio let-the-hair-down swing gif. So uh, if any gif enthusiasts are out there, please help us with those. All right, make sure you follow at SplashPlayPod. If you do put those clips together, tweet them at Peter Overset so you can use them against me anytime now. And they have, we got canceled on the way out here. Very unfortunate. Follow at Peter Overset. Follow at Chris Spags. Follow at SplashPlayPod. And do it on Instagram, too. Pete, I don't know if you know this. I've been posting some reels of late because we've been getting, for some reason, like 500 views a reel, and I don't, don't even know what I'm doing on them. So Yeah, I don't know if you heard, but Splash Play reels are huge in Germany right now. <laughs> People loved our Juju Smith-Schuster takes, is what I learned. Really? What did, yeah, I, what did one, we yeah. even say about Oh, did I say that he could be like this year's Cooper Cup or something? No, you said, uh, no, the TikTok one where you're like, what? Oh, he's coming back just to do a TikTok. Like, I think that that got us some views that spiked a little bit on. Ooh, on so maybe I just start, you know, tossing in a little, you know, Gen Z and hip buzzwords. Like, maybe TikTok. Splash Play will come to the metaverse. <laughs> Put that on Instagram Reels. <laughs> I would do a metaverse show tomorrow. That I don't know if you keep up with that stuff that closely, but now apparently on one of the, the apps, which has like you know, NBA games and some other stuff, you now can't put your avatar within four feet of another avatar because there were some cases of, of, of male avatars harassing female avatars. Like Jesus I can't. Spags. What a, no, what a world. And, uh, and now this show has gone way too long. I am submitting time and a half for these past four minutes. We love you guys. Have a great weekend. Crush your Pro Bowl contest. We'll be back Monday at 2.30. 30. <laughs>